Today, we are speaking with Matt and Melissa Tyson of Slinger, Wisconsin. Matt and Mel are here to share the story of their sweet baby boy, Morgan Matthew. Morgan was diagnosed with Bacteral Association, a rare but terrible syndrome that affects many systems of the body. We will learn more about Bacteral as well as how the couple spent their two and a half months with Morgan and filled it with love, light, and hope during the most difficult time in any parent's life. I'm your host. Tara Gundrum. As a United States Marine Corps veteran, author, and Christ follower, I've had the great privilege of meeting so many people that are living a life of influence, affecting positive change, and are making a difference in their lives and the lives of the people around them. These are the stories of real people, and this is the Possible Project Podcast. So my name is Melissa Tyson, formerly Melissa Parenti. Um, I grew up in Kewaskum, Wisconsin, uh, went to school at UW-Madison, swore I would never come back to Washington County. There was a big wide world out there and I certainly did some traveling and, and had a lot of great adventures, but landed right back close to where I started um, in Slinger uh, once I met Matt. Um, and. I love living here. I love the community. I love being close to family. Um, I work in Milwaukee as a um, as a marketing supervisor at a at um, Badger Mutual Insurance downtown. I'm Matt Tyson. Um, I grew up right here in uh, Washington County. Actually, I grew up. I always say West Bend, but it was right between West Bend and Allenton. So um, I, I grew up here. Went to the Singer School District, um, and then after that, I went off to college at Stevens Point. I was always a homebody, so I was always home on weekends and whatnot, um, working or just hanging out with family and friends. And then I went to school to become an edu- uh, elementary educator, and I ended up uh, back here in Slinger um, at the Slinger Elementary School. Um, so that's where I'm now teaching third grade. Outstanding. Okay, so both of you guys came back to the same county that you grew up. How did you actually meet? Ooh. <laughs> uh, this, uh, is well, a, this is an interesting oh, yeah. one. <laughs> I got you. Uh, we actually, um, oh man, 20, 21 years ago? 22. Okay. It was a year well, it was 2012. Like nine or 10 years ago. <laughs> I was up north uh, at, at uh, my grandparents' lake house um, and I actually got dumped mm-hmm. um, by my ex girlfriend. And weird story, but her twin brother, Matt, my twin brother. Melissa's twin brother, Matt, um, was dating my sister at the time. And so that night, um, when all the guys and uncles wanted to take me out to make me feel a little better, um, he said, why don't you text my sister? And so that night, uh, I sent the message to her. We don't need to talk about what the message said, but uh, sent the message. And then we met ooh, the next weekend, and we just kind of hung out. And then uh, she went off. She actually went and studied abroad in Peru. Uh, so we hung out a couple weeks that summer, and then she went away to Peru. And then while she was there, that's when we decided that we're going to start dating. Yeah. He was, like, kind of seeing other people, and I was kind of seeing other people. And I was like, I don't really like that. <laughs> like, <laughs> what are we doing? Um, and we, yeah, made it official over abroad. <laughs> yeah. I think it was over. Zoom wasn't even a, what was it on? <laughs> Facebook Messenger. Facebook Messenger, maybe. Facebook Messenger. Skype. It was Skype, for sure. I think we still have pictures from that night. 
<laughs> oh my gosh, that is such a cool story. And I love that it all started with, I was up north. Okay, so I have to pause for a minute. For those of us who are not listening from Wisconsin, what does up north mean to you guys? Oh, that, yeah, that can mean a lot of different things to a lot of different people. I feel like there's like, our up north would be at the Matt's family's cabin in Winnicani, which is like near Oshkosh. Yeah. So really not that far north. Yeah. And then and Winnicani like, is like, what, like an hour? And 20 oh, yeah, an hour. Okay. Yeah. All right. Okay. But then there's like true up north, like middle of nowhere, northern Wisconsin. His family like also has a property. Shawamigan National Forest or something. Oh, Nicolay, Nicolay National Forest. And okay. we are in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. Okay, cool. All right. Well, that is super interesting. Thanks for sharing, guys. Um, so we are actually moving a little bit into kind of what you do now, what you do today uh, for a profession. And Matt, I actually met you uh, as a teacher at Slinger Elementary School. Yep. And the project that you were working on that kind of brought us together was something called Crocs Friday. Can you explain that to our audience and what that means? All right. I can't take all the credit for this because Melissa deserves most of it. But uh, I just growing up, uh, I've been hanging out with the same group of friends since high school. I feel like half of us went to Stevens Point and then we all came back home here. So we, I have a really close group of friends and they started wearing Crocs, right? Camouflage Crocs to be exact. And so um, for one of my, one of my buddies I stood up in his wedding, he gifted all the groomsmen uh, Crocs as a wedding gift um, from him. And I started wearing them everywhere. We, we wear Crocs everywhere. And uh, on Fridays, you can kind of dress down at school. I would wear Crocs on Fridays and it just became a joke at school where the teachers or my coworkers, you know, they laughed at me. Kids would laugh, but it, it turned into more and more kids wanting to wear their Crocs on Fridays. Um, so it was last year. Um, we came up with this idea, Melissa and I together, of purchasing Crocs for all the kids in class that couldn't afford Crocs because they are pretty pricey. Um, so we, my mom helped out, um, and then we were able to purchase every kid in class that didn't have a pair of Crocs, um, their own pair. Um, but then Melissa said, well, they have to, they don't just get a, a pair of Crocs, right? They have to earn that pair. So we came up with the acronym uh, Croc stands for compassion and respect in our communities and schools. Um, and then, so every Friday we do a, uh, a community service project to give back to the school or to give back to the community. We've done, you know, uh, a Saturday morning, a couple of kids and I delivered uh, coffee and donuts, a uh, law enforcement, in Washington County. We've done, um, bakery and a coffee for nurses um throughout the hospitals this when covid was really hitting us hard so um the kids loved it and it just exploded from there now we're in our second year of it um and we're continuing to do uh every friday wear your crocs and it's just cool seeing some of these kids like they never take off their crocs now it's just like gym class come on you guys take off the crocs I think that's such a cool story. I think it's such a great way to bring in kind of like a teachable moment of desire with service. Now, one of the things that we're about to go into is kind of like part of the um, 
the reason that I'm doing the Possible Project podcast is there are so many stories and so many amazing people like you who are out there living life and you're going through not only the good, but you're going through the struggle as well. You're going through the messy part, right? And one of the things that kind of brought us together here today is the story of Morgan Matthew and how his uh, life changed your life. Hit it. Okay. <laughs> um, okay. Okay. Where? I mean, I've told this story a million times, but it's like, where do I start? Um, in January of 2021, we found out we were pregnant, um, and it, we it was unexpected, um, which I always honestly kind of feel funny saying because we know how babies are made. Like, this should not have been unexpected, but it was. Um, and um, so we, we got that news, and we were, like, really terrified, um, but excited and nervous, and I think all the things that um, new parents, especially, you know, parents that are expecting for the first time feel. Um, then we had our anatomy scan at 20 weeks. And I remember sitting in the waiting room. And up until that point, I was just like, mostly terrified the whole pregnancy, like we weren't planning on it. I'm very type A and it just like didn't fit this like very specific timeline I had. Uh, but I remember seeing this mom wearing wearing her baby she had this tiny little baby in this wrap and we were waiting for the doctor to call us back and I just had this moment of like that's gonna be us like we'll have this human this real live human um that's ours and uh it was a it was a really happy moment um and we had our anatomy scan uh, I'm glad I had that moment because soon after during the scan we found out that Morgan had a lot of um he wasn't developing as he should have been. So in that scan, we found out there were some concerns with his heart and his spine. Um, and that was really the, the only answer we had. Um, they got us to a specialist very quickly the next in the next day or two. This next day. Um, and she also confirmed, um, yes, there are concerns with the spine and his heart. And I also can't see his stomach. So what that implies is that his esophagus is not connecting to his stomach. Um, so his stomach isn't filling with anything and they can't see it on an ultrasound. Um, but that specialist said, this is a little too extensive for me. So I recommend you transfer all your care to Children's Wisconsin, um, which we did. And by the end of the week, we uh, were there and they were as incredible as you hear uh they, they were amazing, so supportive and so brilliant. Um, and Morgan, uh, in utero, he was diagnosed with this and then officially diagnosed once he was born. He was diagnosed with something called Vactoral. Um, and Vactoral is an ac acronym, each letter standing for a different, um, I guess, system or anomaly. Uh, v is vertebrae, A is anal, C is cardiac. TE is uh, trachea and esophagus, R would be renal, and L would be limbs. Um, and to be diagnosed with Vactoral, you have to kind of tick at least three of those boxes. So Morgan had the V. Um, he had some vertebrae concerns. He had a VSD in his heart, so that was the C. Um, and then he had esophageal atresia, which meant his esophagus didn't connect to his stomach. 
Um, and that was the E part of it. Um, and we were terrified, but also really relieved that it was all treatable. He was going to have a long stay in the NICU, uh, but as long as things went well and and he stayed cooking as long as he could before, before we welcomed him to the world and um, things were kind of as we understood them to be in utero, we could treat them and Morgan could have a really full, joyful life. Um, so, so you just shared with us the initial receiving of the information and understanding that Morgan had been diagnosed with Vactoral, right? Mm -hmm. Um, so from the time that you received that information, um, what was the timeline between then and you actually giving birth? It was, uh, 14 weeks. So uh, okay. 20, week, 20 weeks, we found out about the anomalies. And in that same week, Children's was really able to clarify, you know, this is what we understand it to be. Um, okay. And then my water broke at 32 weeks, which was just about the most dramatic thing I've ever oh. experienced in my life at that point. Um, it was like straight up Hollywood water breaking uh it was insane middle of the emergency room on a saturday night <laughs> oh it was wow it was crazy um yeah uh matt a kind of a funny story matt was on the lake that day so he had this like horrible sunburn um <laughs> and they had me in late i did not give birth that night i we they i ended up staying at freighter for a couple weeks in their antepartum um in the antepartum section of the hospital uh, the goal was to get me to 34 weeks, which I did. Um, but in the interim and that night specifically, Matt had like horrible sunburn, truly the worst sunburn. So I can't even make fun of him that bad for complaining about it. But I, they have like the monitors on me. We're not sure if I'm going to have this baby. And Matt's like, can I get some cream for the sunburn? <laughs> some aloe vera, yeah, not, something. Not my proudest moment. <laughs> He was struggling. Hey, was you were there. On. You were there, Matt. So that counts for something. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and all of your sunburnt glory. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, she spent two weeks then in pregnancy prison. Yeah. I, like, I felt terrible, right? I had to, I got to come home, hang out with the dog, go to work still, and she's, she's stuck there. And on top of it all, she went, well, that was on a Saturday night, and her, uh, her baby shower was, Plan for that Sunday. So she oh. missed her baby shower. We, we FaceTimed well, we, in. <laughs> yeah. Wow. You know, it's kind of nice. Opening gifts in front of a whole crowd, like, you know. Yeah. That's it a can little be... nerve-wracking. <laughs> so so you guys, you you went through the diagnosis. You went through the um, the story that you just described of the water breaking. And now Matt's finally back with you. You're together. Um, take us uh, to what happened from there. So um, I was induced um, when they said they wanted to get me to 34 weeks. They meant 34 weeks on the dot. So at like 2 a.m. day one of our 34th week, I was induced. And um, it was very long, over 24 hours, not of active labor, but just trying to get things going. And Morgan was born on June 26th at 6.34 in the morning. 
<laughs> and so that's your first child, right? Morgan is your, your first child. Uh, what's the feeling of having that first little life uh, come to you and you are responsible for it? Take us through what that feels like. This episode is made possible by our sponsor, Downtown Harrison. As you know, the Possible Project podcast is all about sharing stories and helping people get to the next level of possible in their lives. Well, let me tell you, when it comes to interactive entertainment, Downtown Harrison is one of the best in the business. Based in the greater Milwaukee area, Downtown Harrison does shows near and far all over the United States. His Vegas-style shows include some of the best impersonations of a broad range of entertainers like Johnny Cash, Neil Diamond, Frank Sinatra, Elvis, and Tina Turner. You heard me right, folks. I said Tina Turner. Downtown Harrison graced me with his high-energy excellence at my launch party for this podcast. Super, super fun. If you are in need of high-quality, show-stopping entertainment for your next wedding, anniversary or birthday party, reunion, corporate event, conference or convention, check out Downtown Harrison on YouTube. That's Downtown Harrison, H-A-R-R-I-S-O-N, or email him at HarrisonDowntown65 at gmail.com. That's HarrisonDowntown65 at gmail.com. Downtown Harrison, your go-to entertainer for a show-stopping experience. Would you like to sponsor an episode of the Possible Project Podcast? Head on over to our website for more details. And now back to the show. I don't, it's 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 a crazy feeling. Um, obviously, seeing him for the first time, right, was like the greatest feeling in the world. But right after he was born, there was there were some issues, so... Like I feel like it was the best feeling in the world. Then I went from the greatest to the most terrifying when they were, they had to perform CPR twice on them right after birth. Um, so we were, I don't think we, I think we were. It was like, Matt's so right. Like we saw his eyes. He came out and he had these big, beautiful eyes. Um, and it was just like this immediate sense of relief. Like he made it, he's here. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, oh yeah, this is what this feels like when, It's hard to even like describe it as love because it's just like a love you don't even know at that point. Like it's just so it's this profound feeling. Yeah. Um, Our team had warned us Morgan would be whisked away to the NICU right away. And there was going to be a lot of people in the room working on him. So Matt counted. There were 22 people in the room. It's wild. Um, And it was it wasn't scary because we knew there would be that many people where we knew there would be alarms and a lot of like hustle and it was almost like I think if you weren't expecting that it would be terrifying sure but we were we were yeah. ready for it um what we weren't ready for um was a doctor came to our bedside um Morgan was getting worked on and she said so I think this is what Matt meant like it was an amazing feeling but then it quickly went downhill um she said uh we've we've tried everything we could and it's just like and she apologized and we're just like oh no. like i just remember putting my head straight down i, I she said your baby's dying. dying yeah um and i i you know you almost feel for her in that moment like she's trying to hold so much compassion for us but also like tell it to us straight 
Um, and we knew they don't they don't say that unless like there's a very real chance he's not going to make it. So and Dr. Nick came in. <laughs> Dr. Nick, some we don't, we've, ne we've never met him, but uh, I don't even know if we know for sure his name is Nick. No, it was. It's Nick Meyer. <laughs> okay. um, she was telling us at his bedside. So this and they were doing it the second round of CPR and the room was just silent. You could just hear him counting, you know. And um, she, as she was saying that this this man was working on Morgan in a golf golf shirt or a golf polo and shorts. He was just, well, we found out he was just starting his shift and he ran up there too, I guess. One of the nurses was telling us that they were both in the parking structure on their way into work when they got the call saying, you know, that they need their assistance. And all of a sudden his heart, heart rate came back up and it was like, holy cow. And it was a miracle. It was, it, it was a miracle. It was insane. Yeah. If there was a God, he was in that room that day. It was, it was, it was crazy. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, wow. That story is so powerful. Absolutely. Um, and just describing how you all went from basically one extreme to the other. I mean, I think it shows the power uh, above and beyond us all. Right. And if we could just have a little faith and focus on that in that moment that we could, you know, we could witness miracles. And so um, thank you for sharing that. What are some of the things that um that Morgan was facing, like in that moment, like what were the struggles? Was it, you know? Um, well, I think, um, so his heart w wasn't strong enough as he was. Right. Um, and, you know, as you asked me that, it's like, God, I don't know if, even if I know the, the exact details, um, I'm sure his premature birth. So he was 34 weeks. Um, he just wasn't able to keep his heart rate up. It was, and the uh, something with the uh, the breathing, right? They went down to the suction of everything out, and his anatomy in there, I think, was Compl a, a lot compl more complicated than they originally thought. Sure. Um, and so they couldn't clear that airway out. Um, and that's, I guess, all I know. Right. Um, and that's kind of the the theme of Morgan's story. Like we we knew he was really complicated, but I think there will always be parts of Morgan's anatomy that we never understood and couldn't have understood. You know, we had the best team in the world, and um, he just kind of proved to be more and more complex than than anticipated. Um, so he, his heart rate kept, kept falling and they were finally able to get him intubated. So get a breathing tube in. And that took a lot of pressure off of his heart. Okay. Um, and they were able to get him stable. Um, of course, I shouldn't say of course, because I wouldn't have known unless we went through this, but then the concern becomes when his heart rate was dropping, did enough, enough oxygen get to his brain? Is there a brain injury? And that was, um, he ended up having a, a very, very, very minor brain injury, which they weren't concerned about, um, partly because we weren't we weren't really sure how it would manifest itself as he grew older. And babies are kind of magic in the sense that, you know, brain injury as an adult is a lot different as a baby. There's much more plasticity and we were confident it would not impact his quality of life. Um so I would say in that moment, as they took him to the NICU, knowing that he was stable, the thought on everybody's mind was, is his brain okay? Sure. And it was. Okay. So from that point, you knew that, you know, his brain was okay. You knew that he'd need a lot of extra attention, a lot of extra care. Um, but, you know, 
things didn't get much easier over the next few weeks. Um, you all had a lot that you were dealing with. The, the doctor team, you know, they had a lot that they were trying to um, evaluate and keep going. Um, take us through some of those, I guess, trials and tribulations that you all went through as the team was trying to go ahead and, and have Morgan progress. Sure. There were a lot of, and when people say the NICU or the cardiac ICU is a roller coaster, oh. it like second that by is, second. That is the, the perfect way to describe it, but also cannot even like encapsulate how up and down it was. Um, mm-hmm. The highs were so great. Um, there was wins every day, but there was also things that did not go as planned every day. Um, so there were a lot of really good things that happened. Morgan was eating. Um, he had a G tube. So a feeding tube uh, connected directly to his stomach because, um, his esophageal atresia didn't allow him to swallow. Um, but he was taking feeds, which was really exciting. Um, he was pooping. That was exciting. (laughs) That was a big win. Um, we were able to extubate him, so take out his breathing tube. That was a huge win. So there was so many things that went right. Uh, but the the sort of reoccurring theme in the NICU was um, he's required, even though he was extubated and he no longer had a breathing tube, he re- required a lot of support to breathe. And we would think he didn't need quite as much, but then we'd quickly realize he did. And every time we try to like lessen that support, we realized he he really needs that support. Um, and because he was working so hard to to breathe, um, he wasn't growing. He was burning a lot of calories, and we needed him to grow. We needed him to grow to repair his esophagus um, and to repair the hole in his heart. Um, which ultimately was why he was having such a hard time. His body was working really, really hard um, because of his VSD. Um, So after a month in the NICU, um, the doctors had, um, they actually called us. Normally we would be there in the morning for what was called rounds where all the doctors and his nurses and specialists, they'd all come meet in his room. They did that for all the babies on the floor. They'd talk about how the day went the day before, how the night went, what they plan to do today. It was terrifying. I loved it. <laughs> every every morning you would wake up going to the hospital, knowing, like, not knowing, you know, what they're going to say. And so when you see a team of doctors, it was, well, I guess it, at first it was terrifying, but after a while, yeah. but seeing a team of doctors in your room every morning and they're saying things that you don't quite understand, it was like, you were always prepared. I think I was always preparing for the worst. Mm-hmm. It's interesting you say that. I was so comforted by the team of doctors in the room. Um, And I think that's such a testament to how two people are going through the same thing and feeling like vastly different things. Um, There would be times after rounds where Matt, I remember this one moment specifically, um, where I was like, oh my God, this is horrible. And Matt's like, what do you mean? Like, but there's like all of these options. And so, you know, one thing that I interpreted as like the end of the world, Matt was, Matt took it as a positive. Um, sure. And it was nice to have that support. Um, but this particular day at rounds, it was confirmed that all of this breathing support we were giving Morgan, it wasn't, it wasn't doing what we needed it to do. Um, but he also wasn't big enough to fix the the hole in his heart. 
but there was a procedure that they could do to take some stress off of the heart. Um, very risky in the sense that Morgan was tiny. Um, he, I think he had just reached the five pound club, which was a, a big milestone. Yeah, um, but his heart um, was the size of a, like a, a grape or a walnut. And the arteries that they would be working on are, you know, just like tiny, tiny fractions of that. Um, so there, it was a risky procedure in the sense that he was really small, but um, the benefits largely outweighed the risks. He needed it to grow um, and it would be his first and only open heart surgery. And so we were transferred to the cardiac ICU, which was tough in and of itself. Yeah, the NICU became a home. Like yeah. we, we can't speak enough about our nurses in the NICU and actually every, everybody, nurses, doctors, like the NICU was, was the greatest place ever. It wasn't like, it wasn't scary to us anymore. And we're blueberries for life. That's the floor we were on. We're in the, in the blue section. The blue bear unit. The yeah. Blue, yeah. <laughs> and uh, I don't know. So then we got moved to the cardiac and we were warned, right? It's not as warm. Mm-hmm. Sure. And, and uh, so I, yeah, leaving the NICU was, it was a tough day. Yeah. But knowing we we're coming back in a week, we're like, okay, we can I mean, do you this. all became you became dependent on each other and the staff that's there in the NICU. You became like you started to know one another and oh, yeah. they understood your needs directly. Um, they probably understood your personalities and they wanted to be there for you and you looked to them for their guidance. I mean, so I completely understand how that could be a hard day. Absolutely. Yeah. But uh, they were, you know, they did our best to, they, they did their best to cheer us up. And they were even like, you know, we're, we're scoping out the window room when he comes back. Like they were, they They're were the so good. Um, um, and I will say, we'll, we'll say this later in the story, but the cardiac ICU team, they had big shoes to fill, right? We loved our NICU nurses and they absolutely did. They became just family to us, just like the NICU was. They were amazing. Um, so it was Morgan's one month birthday and he was getting wheeled back for his surgery. Um, scary, even just like being in an empty room without your baby, like his bed used to be there. It was never like something that you could get used to when they would wheel him off for like scans or, or surgeries or cath lab, you know, it's, it's, he's gone. and And that was scary. Um, and Updates during the surgery were going well, um, and then they weren't going well. Um, And I say that knowing we didn't know what was going on, but we knew things weren't going as smoothly as the team had anticipated. And they they also didn't know why um, Morgan's heart wasn't reacting to the the surgery like they had hoped. How long Uh, of a surgery are we talking about? So he was, he went back, he was like the first patient, I think that day. Um, so he went in the morning around seven or eight o'clock yeah, in the morning early, yeah. and we were hoping he would be back by 11. Um, but it was around 11 AM and we had gotten many updates before this, but it was around 11 AM where it was confirmed. Like we were trying to wrap up, but Morgan's heart wasn't reacting well. So we have to figure out how to get him stable and, and fix this. Um, I think, God, I wish I would have journaled through this this and would have had these details, but I want to say it was maybe sometime in the late afternoon. I want to say four or five. He, we finally 
He I, finally came back. Yeah, we were able to see him in the hallway quick. Uh, it was the worst thing ever, seeing him in the hallway after the surgery. And then they had to go back, bring him back to our room. And then to get him in our room and get him situated was probably another hour or two. Um, so, yeah, I think by the time we finally got to be with him again, it was probably 5 o'clock at night. Yeah. Wow. I mean, so. you're almost the full, almost 12 hours. I mean, roughly oh. from the time that you started the journey to receiving him back. 12 hours and, felt like 36 hours. Yeah. Sure. Oh, I can't, was, I can't even imagine. I think our, I think our natural tendency is, is to kind of make light of things, even though we knew this was very serious. Um, we kind of like, like, oh, this is like what Morgan does. Like he's always throwing us a curveball, but he always comes back. Like it's not, you know, I don't, I honestly don't know if we, we, truly believe that or if we said it just to make ourselves you know get through the moment um just holding on to that hope um dr woods his surgeon who we love um he took such incredible care of morgan um the whole team did uh he we later found out um and again i'm like trying to get this timeline right but it all feels a little blurry um in the coming days we found out that during surgery, Morgan suffered an injury to one of his arteries. Um, and I always, that part of the story really, um, it's hard to talk about because I think human instinct is that people want somebody to blame, like bad things don't just happen. They want to, they, they want to, they want to have somebody to blame. And I think that part of the story is tricky because while the injury happened during that surgery, it wasn't an injury of neglect or carelessness. It was a really risky surgery. Um, and when Morgan's surgeon said he he operated on Morgan the same way he would his own son, we know we know that to be true. Um, he was he's the best surgeon Morgan could have had, and Morgan was just really really complex. Um, and I think I, I think thank of, you for sharing sharing that detail, Melissa. Thank you so much for pointing out the fact that it wasn't due to carelessness. It was really complicated to begin with, um, because you're right. A lot of people put the pressure on the staff that is trying so hard, trying their very best to help us get through a certain situation, and they're trying. And I just really appreciate the fact that you call that out because, you know, we want the best. We want them to try. We want them to continue giving us their all. But there's just some situations that aren't going to work out, you know, um, 100 percent as we'd like. So just thanks for calling that out. Yeah. And I think um, I guess I I don't know what you think, but in those moments, either that day or the next day, I'm not sure when it was but when Dr. Woods, his surgeon is is talking to us and kind of laying out the reality of the situation. Morgan is much more sick now than he was before. He's in severe heart failure. Um, He may need a transplant. Uh, We knew in those moments, Dr. Woods told us like, I'm I'm not gonna, I will lose sleep over this. I, I am sorry. It's, he said, it's going to be a toss up if Morgan makes it Um, because there was so much out of our control at that point. Um, but I think we felt one, we're like devastated and scared, but I think so we just wanted him to know that we are so thankful that 
he was there and that we don't hold like we're, we were so thankful for him. So the idea that he was so sad over this outcome, um, it just the, the compassion and the heart that is in these doctors is, is he came back to work the next day. Like that was a bad day at work for him. And that was devastating. And he came back and we're just really, really thankful for that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Wow. Well, okay. So moving on to the kind of next phase of this story, right? Um, this is a challenging thing to approach, but um, I like for you to share it in your own way. What happened next um, after the doctors gave everything that they could? So that was um, July 27th is when he had a surgery. Um, and the game plan was, so there was kind of two plans. One, um, baby hearts are magic and Morgan's heart is really injured, but his heart could try and compensate for that and, and make up for this injury. He'd always have heart issues, but he could potentially live with this. Um, but that could take months to understand. Um, so, um, a couple weeks down the road, a couple weeks after the surgery, we decided to, um, add the heart transplant team to his already very big squad in the cardiac ICU. Um, and we, we had him on the transplant list. He was, um, the highest position one a, uh, because of the medications he needed to survive the, the support he needed. He was a, a high priority um, and that team was incredible. I think to us, it was kind of like worst case scenario. Morgan needs a heart transplant. Yeah. Uh, but we quickly realized the worst case scenario is that Morgan dies before he gets a heart. Um, uh, but, but you learn so much living in the hospital with these doctors. So there was a lot of like, positives we held on to. Morgan was less than a year old, which meant he could accept a heart from um, any blood type, which is kind of fascinating. And uh, we were thankful for like that uh, to broaden um, the net of hearts he could accept. Um, he was, uh, he could accept a heart up to three times his size, which was Big. crazy <laughs> yeah um, I mean still a tiny heart but it was like you know we had options and of course in the same the same breath it wasn't lost on us that another family would have to say bye to their baby in order for ours to live um, that was not something we, we took lightly and and I don't think ever forgot about it was it, it's um yeah, we just, I don't know, ever, we celebrate the small wins every day, right? So now mm -hmm. looking back, looking back, we just, every time there was a win, we celebrated, right? We we stayed positive the whole time. Just, I know when he first went on the heart transplant list, that was like the scariest thing ever, right? And then they gave us a little beeper that we'd get a carry around with us wherever we went. And then that second that heart, you know, a heart was found, that beeper would go off and so we made we made light of having a beeper with us, and I think what a got pager, us, I think. or a pager, yeah. sorry, 
I think we've got us through those. Like we call every... them beepers back in the 80s, yes. Matt. Yeah. <laughs> I think, yeah. It's in a Kenny Chesney song, too, I think. <laughs> um, but I think looking back now, like, I think we, we just stayed positive the whole time from the time that Dr. Woods told us, like, it is a toss up. We just, we, we wanted those small wins every single day. We, I mean, we would celebrate some pretty small things. <laughs> oh my gosh. But looking back, that's what you had to do. Yeah. Um, right. You kind of forget about it. And hey, you could have the crappiest day at work and you get You got to drive down to the hospital and deal with traffic, which also sucked. Um, but once you step foot in that room and you, you saw Morgan, it was just like, Oh, like it's the greatest thing ever. And you got to talk, we got his nurses in that cardiac ICU too. It was like family. So you, you want it to be there. Yeah. Sure. And in oh. hindsight, you know, we're so thankful. It's a, it's a fine line between like celebrating the wins and also recognizing like there is a long road ahead of us. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm so glad we did. I mean, it was like every day, even on the worst days, there were so many moments of joy in that room, just being with him. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm I'm glad we were able to do that. I don't know if we would have been able to do it without each other and without our incredible team there and our family that was so supportive. But, you know, our time with Morgan uh, was was finite. It was limited. And uh, I'm, I'm just thankful. He was able to hear us laugh so much and, uh, and all those. A lot of inappropriate things. jokes. <laughs> um, we read a lot to him. We read every single day to Morgan. He had a, he had a His nurse made him a book club. Um, so that was like one of our things with Mo was reading to him every single day, yeah. which is What awesome. were some of your favorite things to read to Mo? Oh, uh, there's this book called When I Pray for You. Um, it's written by Matthew Paul Turner, I believe. Um, and one of his nurses, you know, wrote us a nice message and gave it to us or gave it to Morgan. And so that one became a, that one became a, a favorite for sure. And then a couple of coworkers, um, at work, well, Miss Wright at work got gave me a. I think it was a Coles Cares book, the one that you get at Coles, um, and it's called "You're Here for a Reason." So those two are the definite go-to's for me. Um, and then Melissa read them Charlotte's Web. Yeah, Matt's a third grade teacher, so it was like he's Morgan's ready to upgrade to like a certified chapter book. I was like, I could, even though these these books meant so much to read to him. I was like, I need something with like a little more like continuation. So um, we read Charlotte's web and I hadn't read Charlotte's web in 20 years. Um, So reading it as an adult and then reading it as an adult in this really um, um, sort of profound part of my life was just like first page cue the tears. (laughs) It was, uh, but it, I think to your point you had mentioned earlier like um you know nothing is coincidence I you know was meant to read that book <laughs> like it it uh it got Morgan and I through some tough days that's for sure oh I think I think that's amazing and the the story the of strength that you all share between each other and the faith that you have in your team um and just the ability that you all were able to work together um, through the ups and through the downs. Um, I, I mean, I think that says a lot. Um, and the, the books that you read, I think those are some really interesting titles, but they're absolutely beautiful. Um, and the time that you discussed about sharing 
and spending with Morgan, although limited, um, were some of the most amazing times of your life, although the most difficult times at the same time, you know? Um, I have to share with you all, I received a very special prayer request on a day that you all had to make one of the most difficult decisions of your entire life. And um, I'm not going to say who this prayer request came from, but I just knew that it was coming from a, a space of love and that every single person that you know wanted God to have their arms around you during this moment um, that you had to make this decision. So I just thought that was precious in itself. And I'm going to just kind of pause right there and share or let you all share the decisions that you had to make um, effectively regarding Morgan and his his care. Sure. Um, I think just to that point, Morgan had such a profound purpose. And I think we kind of unwrap different parts of that purpose every day. But one of the things he taught us right away was just reminding us all the incredible people that we had in our life. We constantly felt so supportive, uh, so supported um, uh, by, by our family and our friends, uh, ones that we were already close to and loved so dearly, but that he just reminded us um, how lucky we are for them um, and for also the new people he brought into our yeah. lives. People that didn't have to care, cared so much. It was, mm-hmm. And they still do to this day. Like just the message we still hear from people. And the, it, it is Morgan definitely left an impact on a lot of people. Yeah. So um, this part of a story um, August was a month of ups and downs. He had a, made a lot of great strides. Um, also, we ran into a lot of challenges. He was on the transplant list, so we felt really good about that. Uh, but this specific day, it was um, Friday, September 3rd. No, August. Wasn't it August 26th that we, we got a hold? We hadn't been able to hold Morgan oh, in a, yeah. well, ever since he was transferred to the ICU. So over a month. And um, Holly was one of the PT, right? And she was, um, I just remember getting the text from Melissa. I think I was getting ready for, I was at in-service for school and Melissa was down at the hospital saying, you, you need to get here. They're letting us hold Morgan because he was connected to so many things, you know? And so we got to hold him for the first time in, well, over a month. I think it was the second second month, August 26th. Mm-hmm. His two-month birthday. Yeah. So the, I think that was... That was a, a that great was like day. The, the best we got. It. You were scared to death to hold them, and as they're transferring, and you felt, you felt like I, I just want to grab my baby, right? But it took like a team of four or five nurses to get them into your arms, and you're afraid to move. But like having him, that was, I think that was one of my favorite days was with him. Was when you finally got to hold him again, mm-hmm. and then September third hit. I I feel like I was like mom, like I comforted Morgan, but you were like cool dad. So when I was holding Morgan, he was like sleepy and calm. And when Matt was holding Morgan, he was just like staring at Matt. Um, like I could not get enough of him. Uh, it was really, it was, it was really awesome. I wasn't even jealous. It was so cool. Um, so that was a really great day. Um, and then uh, September 3rd, it was, it just was a bad day. Morgan had, um, 
he had developed some complications. Um, so it was kind of like snowballing. Like every day we could tell he was getting more and more uncomfortable. And on Friday the 3rd, he was very uncomfortable. Um, we could tell his heart rate was ridiculously high and would not come down. Um, and I remember his um, his attending doctor that day, Dr. Amadon, saying, we're just going to throw the kitchen sink at him in terms of like sedation and just get him comfortable. And once he's comfortable, we'll start weaning things back to see what works. Um, And they did that. And it was like a night and day difference between morning and afternoon. Like Morgan was calm. He was highly sedated, but he was, he was calm and he was content. And I think any any first time parent, uh, when they can like finally calm their baby after a really rough stretch, it's just like immense relief. Um, and so we left the hospital that day feeling really good. We, we kind of laughed. We had a, we had a gift card to Chili's. So it's like hot date at Chili's. It's a good day. Um, and that, that night, the early morning of September 4th, um, we got a call uh, and my phone went off. I remember saying out loud, oh my God, um, because the only reason they would call at night or call any time was if something was really good, like Morgan got a heart um, or something was really, really bad. Like that was the rule. If it's, if it's kind of bad, but fixable, like tell us when we get there. But if it's really bad, we need to know. Um, and I just remember the nurse like cutting to the chase. Morgan is coding. Uh, the surgeon is on his way to get him on ECMO, which was life support. And you need to get down here as soon as you can. And so we did. And well, I wouldn't won't say as soon as we can because Matt only went eight over the speed limit with the foresight that we can't get pulled over. But I just remember thinking like pedal to the metal. Um, we got there um, and. Morgan had self-extubated and he got really, really upset and it dislodged his breathing tube. Um, So he was just like eating through the sedation incredibly quickly. Um, And he self-extubated, which led to cardiac arrest. They gave him CPR for about 45 minutes. It was 3 a.m. So there wasn't a surgeon there. The surgeon drove there. It was Dr. Woods, which we were so thankful for. Um, and they got him hooked up on ECMO, which is life support. Uh, and he was stable. He was did not look like himself. He was very puffy um, when we finally got to see him. Uh, but he was alive, which we were thankful for. Um, but now the big question again, sort of reminiscent of his birthday, was um, was his brain deprived of oxygen? And if there is a brain injury, how how bad is it? Um, and, um, we took him, taking him to get images of his brain was, it was like almost felt as intense as a surgery because this ECMO support was very positional. It couldn't be moved or else something would not go right. Um, he couldn't get an MRI because of all the metal on the life support. Um, so he had to get a CT and getting him to the CT scan was, um, a a big process Mm -hmm. um eight people taking him um and we were warned that brain injuries don't show their true colors for a few days but we got a ct scan as early as we could and we learned there was an injury but we can't say how 
uh, how bad it is. So that's like, you know, it's almost like, did you want that news? Because we, we just want answers and we just can't seem to get answers. Um, and a few days later, after Morgan had become a little more stable on ECMO, uh, we had tried getting him off ECMO and uh, he wasn't, she was showing us that he wasn't strong enough. Uh, so we finally decided with his team that it's time to try and get another image of his brain. This was on September 13th. They got the image and um, that evening before I left, one of his doctors came in and he said, I'm not a neurologist. We're going to meet with neurology tomorrow, but I can see there's a global injury. And it's funny, like things you tell yourself to get you through. And I just remember thinking like, like, is it global or is it like global, global? Like, could there be a bad global and, a, and an okay global? I think at this point we had understood Morgan's life will look different than we expected it to be. And our, our perspective had, had changed so much. So from 20, his 20 week scan at finding out that he could, he had something wrong with his vertebrae. And in our mind, it was like, well, he need a wheelchair. That was like worst case scenario to, to those people. Sure. Um, after going through all we have in this moment, when we find out there's a global injury, it's like, okay, well, even if Morgan can never live on his own, if he'll live with us forever, but he can still have a really joyful life. If he can participate in life, we will do whatever we can to give him the fullest life. Even if it's it's drastically different than what we imagined. Um, and the next day we met with the, the whole team. And, uh, you know, so there's probably like 12 people in the room with his nurses and all the specialists. And I remember sitting next to the neurologist and she's drawing pictures of Morgan's brain, um, kind of telling me in layman, telling us in layman's terms what's happening. And I just remember thinking, like, when is she going to get to the part where she says, like, it's OK? Um, and it wasn't. Morgan would never uh, do the scope of his brain injury. He would never breathe on his own. He would never know us. He'd never recognize us. Um, he would never talk. He would never eat on his own. Um, and maybe this goes without saying, but he was no longer eligible for a heart transplant because if you're accepting a heart from a family, you're you're sort of promising that like, like your child has a chance to participate and live a full life um, because them giving you a heart is not a light decision. That's a very a very tough decision and um um even now as I like retell the story I kind of switch into this like um like kind of robotic mode okay so like how do we get family here they need to meet him what does this look like how much time do we have left um just to squirrel those things away because we're we're there's restrictions still with COVID, right? Um, we had two visitors the whole time he was at the hospital. Uh, my mom and her mom were the only only people that were able to meet him before then. And then so that that Tuesday morning, we were able to. She was contacted her my sister and her sister saying, you know, you have to round up the families and whoever can make it tonight. And so that afternoon, you know, Dad came down from Green Bay, Grandma's and. Uh, I think no grandpa's came. Yeah. Um, all our family came. Uh, it was pretty much, uh, you know, four at a time from 
four o'clock until eight o'clock and it was they got to meet morgan read him a story and then say goodbye to him god did it suck yeah it was um, it was it was magical but at the same time it was it was it sucked it was uh, yeah yeah i'm um, just seeing i don't know and i think you know at that point the morgan that we knew you know this like curious beautiful boy with these big eyes they didn't know him and he was gone um and it was just his his body which was perfect but um we were happy that they could study his face like we had studied it for the past two and a half months um hold his hand and just like know that he was real (laughs) you know it was such an uh, important piece that he he exists he was real um reading him books yeah yeah it was and it was you know it was a it was a it was a hard hard day but there was so even still there was like moments of laughter and um of course like laughter through tears we were all a, a mess but it felt it felt so good to have them there and have him meet them uh and and then him you know I just kind of I know he was in that room, but I think it was in a very different way than like any human can comprehend. Right. Um, he was with us in, in, in a much bigger way. Um, and then the next day was, was our day. We, we went home the night before and, you know, the next day I, you know, going to the hospital to visit Morgan was never, we, I'd throw my hair up lucky if I showered uh, but this final day was like we we got ready. It was like a, it was our final day with Morgan, and we did arts and crafts, <laughs> we did listened arts. to music. Um, we had his primary nurse there, um, who had grown to be family, and she knew Morgan so well, and and he her uh, he he loved her, and we just had a a wonderful day with him, although. Knowing that we were saying goodbye that night, yeah, it was uh, it was we it was weird, right? It was happy and joyful. We were laughing with the people that loved Morgan so much, and we were doing these these really special things with him, you know, all the while knowing time is is coming to an end. Um, and one of his doctor, it actually wasn't even one of his doctors; it was a doctor on the team that had just learned of who Morgan was and who we had met, and he came by as as they were situating us on the couch to hold Morgan and, and um, start taking him off support. And he just said, there's not a lot of things to say in that moment. There's never a right thing. Um, but if there was a right thing, it was this. Uh, and he, he just said, what a, what a awesome way to launch him into heaven. <laughs> so wow. that's what we did. Yeah. And up until his last breath, he was told how much he was loved and how much he changed our life. And yeah. Oh man. Well, <laughs> Morgan sounds just so amazing. And I truly thank you all for sharing the full depth of his story. Um, although his time on earth was limited, he made such an amazing impact, obviously in your lives and the lives of the people who had the opportunity to care for him. Um, 
And I just truly thank you for sharing that story. Now, you guys absolutely took Morgan's life and everything that he gave to you while he was here. You took that and you are turning that around and and using it for good for the community and to help other people in situations like your own. Can you tell me a little bit about what you're doing and your passion now and your mission in honor of Morgan? So I think before I I get into that, I just want to preface it with um, we are so excited to honor Morgan and his life through what what I'm about to explain. But if anybody that's listening to this that is going through loss or just a really hard time and is thinking like, wow, these people like really have their shit together. We don't. (laughs) And we have we have really there's really wonderful parts of our day where we can live our life honoring Morgan, but there's also really hard moments and days and stretches of day where the like ugly head of grief bores its way into our life and we have angry, sad moments. So um, I love talking about what we're doing in honor of him, but I I guess I just want to recognize that um, it's not butterflies and rainbows. And I think for the rest of our life, we'll kind of be um, battling that. And this is just a, a really great way to kind of have light at the end of, of the bad moments. Um, so uh, we have started the Morgan Matthew Foundation. Uh, and this was something we knew we wanted to give back in some way, shape or form as soon as we came imbo- involved with children. It's like once you're exposed to this incredible team and have lived a, a, a day in the NICU, you're, you're just exposed to this life that you didn't know existed and you see how hard these teams work, how strong and resilient these babies are. Um, and while Morgan's story is really unique, our situation is not. Um, there are so many families that experience um, the same things. Um, so we started the Morgan Matthew Foundation um, with a mission to Uh, Raise the critical funds that are needed to advance the uh, research, care, and quality improvement initiatives for infants with complex medical conditions. Uh, It's named after him. We love hearing his name. I think it's a reminder to everyone that, um, especially for people that have lost children, we love hearing the names of our babies and when people talk about them and we didn't want people to be scared to talk about him. And we completely understand why it is. It's, it's sad and it's scary. Um, Now, Melissa, can can you explain a little bit about how you gave Morgan his name? Like what does his name mean? Cause that has a deep connection. Sure. Um, So I guess I don't know how deep this is. We were talking about about a bunch of different names and Matt was being kind of funny one day. Uh, we love country music. So he was like naming all of these old country artist names. He's like, what about Randy or Travis or <laughs> Garth, um, which are all wonderful names for all the Randy, Travis's and Garth's in the world. Um, but I was like, mm, that's, that's, that's not it. Um, and Morgan Wallen is a, a popular country singer, and uh, he said Morgan, and I was like Morgan, and I was like it's like different enough, but not like outrageous. Um, but the one thing that I had, I guess, my one reservation about it was like 
people are going to call him Mo. I don't know if I like that. Uh, and then all of a sudden, I walked into Morgan's room one day and I was like, hey, Mo. And I just thought, oh, well, here we are. I guess Mo is the nickname. Yeah, Big Mo. Uh, yeah, and he earned the title Big Mo. <laughs> Actually, we have, I have uh, the, we have uh, someone, oh, can't see it. It's a big ah. mall sticker. Yeah, we have big big mall stickers are everywhere and which is cool to see. Uh so the nickname I have to get one of those. Sorry. Big Mo. Yes, big for mo. sure. Um and then Matthew, his middle name is was after his dad. I think that's Matthew. a beautiful story and the 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 fun that you had coming up with his name and the ability to constantly just share that with the rest of the world through the Morgan Matthew Foundation. I think yeah. it's just such a beautiful thing. Yeah. And I think our goal with the foundation, um, obviously to improve outcomes, if something that we fund, if an initiative that Morgan funds, lets one family bring home their baby at all, or even sooner than expected, that's a win. Um, and we saw his team across the NIC, I mean, prenatally NICU, cardiac ICU, they worked so hard. And these are the, the smartest people in the world with this cutting edge research and tools at their fingertips. And they still had to work so hard to try and save our son. So if we can give them the tools um, to just be able to do what they love even better than the day before, uh, we we want to help them in any in any way we can. Absolutely. I know you all are in the early stages of forming the foundation and things are kind of still coming together, but I would love to share with our audience uh, if they wanted to contact you or if they wanted to support you in any way, how could they reach you? Sure. Um, so Morgan has an Instagram page, which will probably be, be re renamed shortly after we um, launch the foundation. Um, right now it's underscore Morgan underscore Matthew. Um, website will be launched in a couple weeks, but it's the Morgan Matthew Foundation.org. Okay. And our email would be hello at Morgan Matthew Foundation.org. Outstanding. All right. So I'm actually gonna share all of your contact information, your website for morganmatthewfoundation.org, all of your social media handles and things like that. I'll put that in the show notes for all of the guests to be able to follow you. Um, and I guess I just kind of want to just share with the audience, we, we've shared such a difficult journey so far. Um, tell us a little of the inspiration that is keeping you guys going. So uh, one of the things that I asked you ahead of time is like, what is your favorite like inspirational quotes or mantra or Bible verse? I want you to share each of you independently what that is with our audience. Well, I think I said life's a garden, dig it. <laughs> Yeah. So oh, uh, did I really say that? <laughs> I don't think I typed that, but it oh. definitely was his his response. So uh, one of the things that I have here is that even after all this time, the sun never says to the earth, you owe me. Look what happens with a love like that. It lights the whole sky. Truthfully, when um, you did pose that question, Matt's response was, life is a garden, dig it, which we can absolutely get behind. 
Um, but that particular quote about the sun and the moon, um, I fell in love with that quote even pre-Morgan. Uh, and it was such a great reminder, whether it's a romantic relationship or a friendship or your professional relationships, to just do good just to do good, just to make a better impact on the world and not expect anything in return. Um, I think specifically to the situation, that doesn't mean we have moments of anger um, or envy of people that get to have babies and bring them home. Um, But that quote kind of reminds us to take a step back and not to sit in, in those feelings. And there is Morgan was only here for 82 days, but he had such a profound impact and to live each day trying to tell his story and spread that impact as far and wide as we can is is the only way we know how to get through what we've what yeah. we've been through. Yeah, I would say do good it matters, right? Just be a be a good person. Um doing it for him now. Mm-hmm. I don't know, everything everything we do, we do it for him. Every we try doing nice things for each other, for other people. I just think of that every time I think of Morgan, just do good. It ma- you know, it matters. Do good. good it matters. Yeah. I, I, yeah. That's a, that's a good point. I mean, a good point all the way around. Um, if you, if you try to do your best and if you try to do good, um, it matters to someone. So, yeah. I mean, on that note, guys, I, I, I think that's a good note to to close on. I want to thank you for coming on to the Possible Project podcast and sharing your story. It is truly because of stories like yours that I am doing what I'm doing, which is to get these stories out to the world uh, because they are impactful. They matter. You're doing good. It matters. And someone in the world can benefit from your story, even though hard. Um, even though messy, um, you are living the life that we were called to live. Um, God gave you the grace to deal with what you're dealing with and also the passion to move forward with what you're doing. So I truly thank you. And I look forward to all of seeing all of the good things that you guys are doing in the future uh, in honor of Morgan. So thank you again. And thank you for coming on to the Possible Project Podcast. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Possible Project Podcast. Check out our show notes to access our guest details, support links, and subscribe to be notified of our weekly episodes coming to you every Wednesday. Next week, we are speaking with a chef and entrepreneur who owns several restaurants in the greater Milwaukee area. We will learn all about the process of getting started and how creativity coupled with determination and hard work equals success. If you know of an amazing individual whose light is shining bright, I want to hear from you. Shoot me an email at thepossibleprojectpodcast at gmail.com. That's it, folks. This is T-Gun signing off. Remember, let your faith be bigger than your fears because all things are possible through Christ.